right, y'all. What is going on? This is your man L Jamal coming through with another edition of Never Out of Bounds. Of course, this is the place where you can say what you want as long as you got the facts. Uh, we will be keeping it as short and steady and to the point as I want it to be because I plan to come back, if not tonight, then tomorrow morning. Uh, but like I said, today we're just going to be focusing on uh, some previews and kind of... Uh, some predictions for these wild card games going on. We are a few hours underway uh, till the first tip off between the Raiders and the Bengals. We're going to break all the games down for the weekend. And as the games transpire, I'm going to be breaking them down, of course, final score and everything. And then, um, of course, as the weekend goes on, I'll get into some other news probably. And, of course, maybe some college basketball even. And, of course, the NBA because I'm a little bit behind on that as well. But like I said, let's just get straight into it without further ado. We're going to be breaking down the first game uh, coming on about 1 o'clock, actually 1.30, somewhere around that time, Pacific uh, Pacific time, West Coast time. Uh, we have the Raiders uh, on the road facing the Bengals. Both teams coming to this game 10-7. and seven. Two big notes about the game. Of course, the Bengals will beat the Raiders earlier in the year, 32-13. to 13. So that may be a factor. Uh, we also have the Raiders coming into this one uh, with one of the league's worst point differentials at negative 67 points. So, uh, again, uh, this is a team that needs all four quarters to win. Every little thing counts. Uh, however, they are riding a four-game winning streak. So that's what I'm saying here. They are getting it done when it counts so and that's all that matters um let's break let's break down the raiders real quick let's talk about the strength for this team it's going to definitely be the pass rush now mass crosby is a pro ball pro baller and i know it's a little bit uh controversial uh because stats you know are what they are uh however uh with that being said he does have six uh sacks on the year 42 pressures, which is one of the top numbers in the league. He also has 19 quarterback hits, which is up there as well. Uh, now, again, you might see somebody with Joey Bosa with 15 sacks, but a lot of what the experts are saying is that what Crosby does outside of sacks is being, uh, it needs to be put in consideration as well. He does a lot of pressuring. And of course, we see quarterback hits as well. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe will definitely be a factor in that pass rush as well. He has 10 sacks on the year. And uh, again, that's going to be a 1 2 tandem that has to show up uh, in order for this team to be even relevant in this game. The one uh, weakness that I do see glaring from uh, the Raiders, though, is going to be. Uh, you know, for what it's worth, the rushing attack. Now, so many years I put down the secondary. Might have said the secondary uh, wasn't that great, but actually they finished decent. I think they were a top 15 unit this year, if I'm not mistaken, defensively. So I'm going to go with this rushing attack. They are currently 28th in the league right now, averaging 95 yards per game. And Josh Jacobs has really regressed since his 1,000-yard uh, season last year, averaging only 58 yards per game. I think... For the Raiders to have any type of consistently offensively, they're going to be have to run the ball early and actually often. And if that takes Peyton Barber to get in the mix as well, then then so be it. But this team has to be able to do something, uh, you know, other than rely on this passing attack in Derek Carr because we know he can be inconsistent. And we know we don't have the true number one receiver that we would like right now, uh, being that we just have a primarily a tight end and you have Hunter Renfro. But again, nothing to... Nothing to put down per se, but at the same time, you know, Raiders will definitely need a number one receiver 
regardless going into the future. That's one of their another one of their Achilles heel. But if we're looking at it right now, subjectively, for what it is, from what I can see, it's that running attack. And the Raiders, like I said, we've seen cars make plays, good and bad. But the thing is, in this type of football, playoff football, you need to be as consistent as possible. In order to do that, you're going to have to be able to do, do do both things. And matter of fact, even score on special teams as well. And as far as offensively, you're going to have to get a couple, or a team like this to win, they're going to have to get an interception and a fumble and maybe a punt return or a kickoff return, something of that nature. You know, again, like I said, they're going to need all four quarters and maybe even overtime to get past this one. So, again, this is just what we've been given with this team. But it's, it's a shot. There's definitely a shot. And I don't just say this as a fan, but as, you know, again, they've won four straight. They have a pretty damn good pass rush. Uh, this team needs to be able to run the ball. But, again, they can pass the ball pretty well, particularly, you know, when it comes to down to making plays. And they have one of the best, best field goal kickers in the league, particularly, again, clutch time. Again, this goes a lot. I mean, again, he'll have to be a factor in this one, too. Any chance they get. Put up, put up three points because that's just what you need to do. Uh, because again, the Bengals are going to come in here with a passing attack that features Joe Burrow. Seventy, uh, he's completed seventy percent of his passes this year. Two hundred eighty-eight yards per game, thirty-four touchdowns, fourteen interceptions. Of course, he'll be having uh, Jamar Chase back him up. Uh, fourteen hundred yard, over fourteen hundred yards this season. Thirteen touchdowns, and again, this. And they have, you know, complimentary receivers around them. I believe they have, uh, I think, Tig, T. Higby, C.J. Uzuma, uh, you know, who caught a lot of the passes thrown his way, over 60% of the passes thrown his, his way. Um, I do believe you have uh, T.J. Boyd. Uh, so you have a couple solid receivers. Sorry, Tyler Boyd there. So you have a couple of solid receivers uh, there for Cincinnati. So that whole core is good, plus that tight end. Um, if any weakness that they do have, you know, I, I think you can probably make some plays in that secondary. Uh, I, I I don't see where they were highly rated in that in that regard. Uh, defense for them was overall solid, but I, I do know that they had their weaknesses. I think you can make some, some plays on the outside with them. I'm not 100% sure about that pass rush uh, as well. But, again, they do have a solid running back in Joe Mixon who can score. So, uh, they, in my opinion, they seem to, c to come in there with a somewhat more balanced offense than we do uh, in terms of what they can do running the ball. Uh, and it's slightly their running game is slightly better than ours. So, again, that's a factor that could go for them. Again, I think one of their biggest weaknesses is probably their secondary. Um and and maybe it maybe just playoff experience for these guys. They've never been to this this uh, you know this environment. I mean, however, I think being at home negates that. Even for a younger guy, I think going on the road to Vegas maybe would have uh, posed its own uh, difficulties. But as far as I know, yeah, the game is going to be in Cincinnati, and it's going to be a cold one. That might be a factor for both teams. Uh, but again, I, I still think even a younger team at home might even, you know, be able to negate some of that playoff inexperience. But look at it this way. Derek Carr hasn't started a playoff game either. So, and again, I've, I've been hearing, you know, talk. I, I've had heard some little, a little bit of extreme talk about him lately. I think Keyshawn Jackson uh, wanted to put him in his top 10. I refuse. Um, I think he's probably top 20, of course, maybe top 15. But 
Uh, until he wins a playoff game or two, I can't call him top 10. I was going to put that out there. But moving on, our next matchup, we have the Bills facing the Patriots. Uh, the uh, Bills come to this one 11-6. Uh, they, I think they capped off their regular season with a win. The Patriots cap off their regular season with a loss against Miami. They are 10-7. and For the Bills, they have won four of the last five games, dating back to their loss to the Patriots, uh, scoring an average of 29, almost 29.5 points per game. Now, New England, on the flip side, has just one uh, has just one win in the last four games. So again, that kind of tale of two uh, results, and then also it's a tale of two quarterbacks coming into this one. Mac Jones uh, threw five of his thirteen interceptions during that one and one and three uh, stretch. Now he does have a Patriot record for rookies with twenty two touchdowns, and also a he's also second. Uh, in terms of uh, completion percentage for a rookie in league history behind Dak Prescott, but he has just thrown for 164 yards. Uh, sorry, uh, he's just thrown for 164 yards the past few weeks, throwing two picks in their uh, Week 16 matchup versus the Bills, if I'm not mistaken, and he had a 31.4 QBR. Now, if we look at Josh Allen, he improved throughout the last month of the season, but overall he took a step down from his production from last season with a 92.2 QBR, which is 15 points lower than what it was last season. He also has 15 interceptions compared to just 10 last season, and his yards per attempt has gone down uh, from uh, 7.9 uh, to, I believe it was about somewhere in the 6.7 range. Yeah, 6.9 range, and uh, 6.9 yards per for attempts, so his yards per attempt went down. He's throwing more interceptions, and it also, of course, the QBR went down. So, you know, again, that does pose somewhat of an issue going into the playoffs as well, because you want to make sure your quarterback is hot as possible. But again, he had the last month to kind of pull himself together, and uh, in their Week 16 matchup, he will hook up with Stephon Diggs for three scores. So again, if he's able to get to Stephon Diggs again early, often. I think that's they're pretty they're already pretty much the favorite in this one. I think they just kind of they win rather easily. I think if we look at the X factors for both teams, uh, it's going to be the defenses. Now the Bills only allowed 17 points per game uh, so far this season, and that's good enough for first in the league. And they allowed just 31 percent of their third down conversion. So teams are pretty much going three and out all the time against them. The Patriots went three and 32 on third down in the last two games versus Buffalo. So again, the Patriots haven't been able to convert on downs. The Patriots have been forced off the field numerous times. Their offense has looked obviously it's been stagnant against this team that means something and also for the Patriots uh, you know they have at least four starters defensively including Dante Hightower and also defensive and Lawrence Guy that will be dealing with injuries so we don't even know what their status is all of them we don't know how effective they're going to be in the game so that might be a factor going against the Patriots so with that being said I definitely have the Bills the favor in this one if I'm looking at a final score, I'm saying like 31-20. I think the Bills can win rather easily unless Josh Allen comes in there just like, you know, just kind of cocky or just not. Well, unless, you know, just uh, New England's defense comes to play, which they can do come deep, come playoff time. I mean, it, it has happened. I mean, again, Coach Belichick is probably one of the best defensive minds out there, and if anybody can make Josh Allen look bad in this type of game, it would be him. But I think just with everything else going for the Bills in terms of their de their defense and also what they have offensively, 
I got to give the, the, the Bills a nod by at least a touchdown. So, again, I, I see it probably going uh, multiple scores, at least ten point a 10-point win uh, for Buffalo. But it could be as, as, as little as a, you know, three-point win for them or even a three-point loss for them, just depending on how good New England plays. But, again, it's it's let's just go with a with a with a with a Buffalo win here, just to just to make it easy. I don't want to make it too too uh, subjective. I don't want to muddy the water too up. But I'm gonna go with the Bills in that one. So let's move on to Sunday. We have the Eagles facing off against the Buccaneers. The Eagles are nine and eight. The uh, the Buccaneers are thirteen and four. The Eagles come into this one leading the re- league in rushing touchdowns with twenty five. They're also averaging about one hundred and sixty yards per game on the ground uh, the last few weeks, despite. The, uh, now, despite Tampa Bay being a top three team against the run, over their last three games they've allowed uh, over a hundred fifty sorry over a hundred yards in three straight games, and two of them they've allowed over a hundred and fifty yards. And two of those teams that they played weren't even that good, I don't believe. Uh, I know one of them was Atlanta, I think Washington as well, if I'm not mistaken. So again, not really uh, coming in hot into this one. And then the Buccaneers are dealing with uh, numerous injuries, including Ronald Jones, uh, their backup running back. We also have Cyril Grayson. Uh, he's dealing with injury as well. Uh, he, they're both going to be out, actually. Both the uh, defensive backs, uh, def- uh, sorry, Carlton Davis and also Sean Murphy Bunting, uh, they're questionable. Leonard Fournette, their actual starter, hasn't even been activated yet, so we don't even know his status. I think they were just barely going back to practice. So, you know, this one could actually go either way. Um, if the Eagles can run the ball like they've been doing, not turn the ball over, of course, that's going to be an important thing. Don't turn the ball over at all, Philadelphia. Uh, I, I don't. I mean, it's they're on the road. Uh, I think the weather is gonna is gonna be a little bit muggy. It might even be rainy in this one. Uh, so look for both teams to kind of run the ball. I think the Eagles are more healthy in that department. I think if they can get a couple play action passes off specifically or some uh, RPO, since you know Jalen Hurts can run, that definitely adds a little crinkle that they that they can expose Tampa Bay with. Tampa Bay has a lot of bodies out. Uh, however, what they can do, I mean, again, they have Tom Brady. They have some decent wide receivers that are going to be playing. Imagine if AB was playing; he played himself. This was this would have probably been a that would have probably been a factor, of positively going in Tampa Bay's way. That would have probably helped them win the game. But because of that, you kind of got to say, hmm, they don't really have all the stars on the outside that you would want the playmakers necessarily. Uh, Again, it just all it all depends on who shows up defensively for Tampa Bay, and uh, again, can can the Eagles defense get to Tom Brady? Can they can they pressure him? I haven't seen too many people you know do it. Uh, it doesn't happen a whole lot, particularly in playoff games. Can somebody get to him? Uh, make things uncomfortable for him. I think that's going to go down as a factor as well. Moving on, we're staying in the NFC. Of course, we have the 49ers going up against the Cowboys. This is a historical matchup. Uh, these matchups went all, all on throughout the 70s, I think in the 80s somewhat as well, and in the 90s as, on top of that. So really story rivalry. We're talking about 
Hall of Famers such as Steve Young, Joe Montana, Charles Haley, and Deion Sanders going back and forth between both teams. Of course, Troy Aikman for the Cowboys, Michael Irvin, the triplets, because you had Emmitt Smith. Uh, you know, we all said back in the day, Ed Tutal Jones. I can't remember all the 49ers players from the 70s, though. Sorry. Um yeah, <laughs> but anyways, in the future, in the present day, you got Jimmy G uh, going up against your boy Jack Prescott. You got Ezekiel Elliott going up with the motley crew that is San Francisco's running attack. I know that's going to be probably headed by Eli Mitchell, uh, but. Let's kind of break both of these teams down. The Niners coming to this one, 13th in scoring, averaging 25 points per game, 7th in total offense, 12th, uh, I believe, in, yes, 12th in passing, 7th in rushing. So, again, a really balanced team. They're potent. They can move the ball down the field. Uh, they are, uh, if we look at this team offensively, one of their big standouts, of course, uh, is going to be Debo Samuel. Uh, does so many different things. 77 receptions this year, 105, uh, sorry, 1,500, sorry, one. 1,405 yards and six touchdowns. He also has 365 rushing yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. 15 total uh, all-purpose touchdowns. You gotta love it. You gotta love it. Or is it, yeah, uh, let me get my math right. Yeah, that's 14. I had to get my math right. Excuse me. 14. Uh, <laughs> I just want to make sure I get my, again, I won't sleep right if one of these things is wrong. I got to make sure everything is, that's just my, my, even if it's just one off, I'm not going to be liking it. I, I got to be the, have the right exact number. Sorry. My bad y'all. Anyways, 14 total touchdowns. Awesome year for him. Uh, if we look at this team defensively, ninth, uh, uh, ninth in points allowed with 21. There's a lot of teams around that 21 point, uh, 21 and a half point, you know, points allowed a game type of situations. A lot of teams are in that middle of the road. I think it's middle of the road. Anything above 20 is, is middle of the road in my opinion. But, again, it's a top 10 defense this year. Third in total defense in terms of yardage. Seventh against the run. And, uh, you know, the, for the Niners, they would lose four straight after starting the season 2-0. and and uh, another thing about this team, they've gone four and five versus playoff teams. Oh, another highlight on that defensive side, of course, is Nick Bosa, 15 and a half sacks going into this game here. I think he's going to wreak some havoc. He has to. I mean, he, he does just about every game. I think that's going to definitely be an X factor. But let's move on to the Cowboys. First in scoring, 31 points per game. First in total offense. They are third in passing. Of course, Dak Prescott comes into this one with a 68.8% completion percentage, 4,449 yards, 37 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Uh, their seventh in and sorry, uh, their seventh uh, in points allowed. Uh, they're also 16th versus the run defensively. Micah Parsons, uh, you know, there's so many, actually there's so many people I could have highlighted on this defense. This defense is really good this year as well. They're not talking too much about it. Uh, but anyways, Micah Parsons, Parsons, 84 total tackles, 13 sacks, and three forced fumbles. The Cowboys have scored 50 points uh, or more uh, in the past three games. Um, oh, sorry, twice in the past three games. Again, with this defense playing as good as they are, I think they could. I don't know if they could blow the 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 Niners away, but it definitely has a potential to be a barn burner. And I just think that the Cowboys just have what it takes to kind of outscore the Niners in that in that realm. Um, I see a lot of scores here. 
I, I, I feel like I do. I just see the Cowboys just pulling this one off. Um, I think we're probably, I mean, my personal over-under would probably be about 45, almost 50. I, I just have a feeling. This, these, both these teams look like they can, I mean, they can do a lot of things offensively. Despite having all these defensive talents, I just feel like they come into this one trying to score. But that's just me. I could be wrong. But anyway, we're going to move on to the Steelers and the Chiefs. They are going back to the AFC. The Chiefs are 12-5. and five. The Steelers coming to this one 9-7 and seven with, a, with a tie. Uh, for the Chiefs, they won their first matchup against this team in Week 16 by 26 points. Pittsburgh is 1-2 in, in – uh, sorry. Um, Pittsburgh is historically 1-2 in playoff games where they're – Decided, they're decided double-digit underdogs. They come into this one, I believe, eleven the eleven-point underdogs, something like that. Uh, but if we look at the keys to victory for the Steelers, pass rush and generating turnovers, that's going to be the way for them. They led the league in sacks for the fifth straight year with fifty-five total team sacks. Uh, they ranked fourteenth in turnovers. Uh, they forced nine since week nine. Sorry, nine since week fifteen. Excuse me. Uh, we that's including four against Tennessee, who's in the playoffs as well, and then they had three against Baltimore. Now, again, they have JJ Watt there. They have a couple other guys there. Not JJ, TJ. Woo. Sorry. <laughs> uh, you got Cameron Hayward there. Uh, they generate sacks as well. Um, and again, they're coming up with these timely turnovers. Uh, again, they kind of finished middle of the road overall, but again, they've been. They forced nine in the past few games, so uh, almost almost turnovers in the past few games. So again, I think that'll that might be a factor as well. And of course, we saw what happened with the Chiefs when you were able to pressure, you know, Patrick Mahomes uh, in that Super Bowl. It, it, that shuts down almost the whole entire offense. Uh, but for the Chiefs, their plan of action uh, definitely keep Kelsey and Hill involved. And for the receivers in general, just pretty, they're going to probably pretty much be this focus. But Tyreek Hill, uh, he finishes the season with a 111 catches for 1,239 yards and nine touchdowns. Travis Kelsey ends the season with 92 receptions and 100, sorry, 1,125 yards and nine touchdowns as well. They both have combined for 15 receptions for over 25 yards. And uh, this, these, this tandem is going to be what's going to stretch the field for them and make those big plays for them. Uh, we also can look at these other wide receivers, uh, Nicole Hardman as well. They, he was scored twice in the first matchup against the Steelers, and we also got Byron Pringle would have two receiving t uh, receiving touchdowns against the Steelers in that first matchup as well. So not only do you have Tyree Kill and Travis H Kelsey who can make big bomb plays, we also have Nicole Hardman who can contribute in different ways as well because he scored with a punt return touchdown on top of that, and Byron Pringle uh, as well. Now, one thing going against the Chiefs is that they're going to be without Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Uh, he's a little bit of a Swiss Army knife for you know the team. Uh, Mahomes yards per uh, sorry yards per attempt does go down from 7.9 to 6.6, .6, and his touchdown percentage goes from 6.6 to 4.4. So definitely uh, is a factor for that offense, X factor for that offense, and with him being out. Uh, it could present some sort of problems. Uh, and let's move on finally to Monday night, our final game of the wild card round. We have the Cardinals taking on the Rams. The Cardinals are 11 and 6. The uh, the Rams are 12 and 5. 
For the Cardinals, the key for them, uh, we're going to look at the tail of the tape for these two guys. For the Cardinals, they come into this one 20, averaging 26 points per game, 11th in the league, 8th in total offense, offense, excuse me, 8th in passing with 271 yards per game. Uh, defensively, they only give up 21 points per game, 11th in the league. They're also 11th in total uh, defense uh, in terms of yardage, and they're 6th against the pass. Now, at Week 9, uh, they, start, they were... Sitting at a record of eight and one, but since week nine they had you know they pretty much you know were inconsistent, just uh, just winning four of their last nine games. So uh, they come into this one kind of topsy turvy. They finished the regular season with a loss uh, to um, to Seattle where they looked kind of bad. So we really don't know what type of team we're getting, but we know we have a team that can that can score. Uh, we have a team that can, you know, move the ball through the air pretty well with Kyler Murray. Defensively, they're good against the pass. This is what, you know, we know. They're a top 10 team, at least. Let's move on to the Rams. Uh, they are coming into this one scoring 27 points per game, good enough for 7th in the league. They're ninth in total offense in terms of yardage, and they are 5th in passing. Of course, uh, Matt Stafford has just shown the world given some tools and some care about his career, he can flourish, and I have no problems with that. Uh, but they come into this one averaging uh, 15 points per game on defense. Uh, that's good enough for 21st. So, again, this is, sorry, there are 15th in, in points allowed. Again, excuse me, I read that wrong. There are 15th in points allowed a game uh, with just 21. Again, they're one of those middle-of-the-road teams, in my opinion, giving up slightly over 20 points. Uh, they are six against the rush. They are kind of middle-of-the-road against the pass despite having Jalen Ramsey for some reason. And uh, they recently signed Eric Weddle, so that kind of gives you a sign at where they feel personally their own, you know, uh, weaknesses lie. And that might be that secondary. Um, so it's clear that the Rams can make uh, – sorry, it's clear that Arizona could probably make some plays on the outside – um, I think, you know, just, you know, if you add Matt Stafford, if you got OBJ, if you got Von Miller and Aaron Donald, you know, you just, and Jalen Ramsey for what it's worth, you, you figure they would just at some point just do it. You know, it would click and this team would look super dominant and call it a day. You sign Eric Wett on the defensive end, you get a leader and somebody who could probably still play to some extent, right? So you might as well just say, I mean, you, you want to give the Rams the nod, but it's just, it's just so up in the air with the way that they play. Both of these play, these, teams have been the most inconsistent for some reason. Uh, both these teams looked like they were going to win the NFC West outright at mo multiple times in the season, at least the Rams. I mean, at least once for both of these teams. Uh, but, you know, they just kind of went back and forth um, this whole season with these other squads. So th this one is I'm up in the air. Um, again, there's a clear shot. I mean, for every other game so far, whether it be the Raiders and the Bengals, uh, there's a clear path. I see each team could win both of those games. Uh, this this game is just too muddy for me. Both these teams would play way too consistent. So the best I can say is whoever doesn't turn turn the ball over, um, you know, uh, again, both of these teams look like they can score. So maybe it's a last possession game, and you can score on both defenses to an extent, um, you know, um, both of these defenses are giving up around what these offenses score anyway. So, I mean, you're liable to have both teams scoring.
Jones. Uh, so, uh, you know, looking at it, uh, I don't have a favorite in this one. I think this one goes up in the air, to be honest with you. All right, y'all. Uh, I'm uh, calling it a wrap for today. When I come back, we will be breaking down the uh, the. Sorry, we'll be breaking down uh, the action from all these games, at least the Saturday games. And uh, like I said, we'll be going through going from there throughout the weekend, and uh, possibly, like I said, adding some more uh, sports and some other news to it. So if you're looking to get in touch with me, I'll leave my links available in the description. And uh, if anybody hasn't told you yet, I love you. Peace out, one love, and I'll holler at you guys later.